Well, good morning. My name is Jeremy, and I am the director of Youth and Young Adults. And I want to welcome you to our finale of the Cross series. And I want to encourage you to take out your Bibles, whether they be paper Bibles or Bibles on your cell phone. And I want you to turn to Luke 24. And also, go ahead and and grab a, a pen or a writing utensil that maybe you can take some notes If you're using a a cellular device or an electronic, get your fingers ready to highlight whatever God is speaking to you today. Because I believe that the Word of God is active and living, and He's ready to speak directly to your heart today. So be ready to take notes on what God is saying to you through Luke 24. We're going to start at verse 13. Before we get there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. God, we praise you for who you are. You are holy. You are worthy of all honor and praise. God, in this moment, as we read through your word, may we realize that you are with us in the midst of our hopelessness. God, would you open our eyes to your hope. And Lord... Would you give us boldness to extend your hope everywhere we go? In your heavenly name, amen. I want to encourage you to keep your Bibles open throughout the whole service. We're going to go back and forth here through this chapter of Luke. But let's start with verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked, what are you discussing so intently as you walk? They stopped. Sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet. He did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. We're going to pause there for a minute. Now let's take a look at these two men. What do we know? Well, we only know one of their names, Cleopas, and then some unnamed man, uh, maybe a friend, maybe a neighbor, maybe uh, some part of his family. We know that they were with the disciples after the crucifixion. Uh, 
probably had been with the disciples and Jesus before because they knew that he was a prophet and that he was a great teacher. They had experienced this. They had been a part of that. And they could confess these things about who Jesus was. He was, he was this prophet. He was this good teacher. And they even confessed we had hoped he was the Messiah. We had this hope. And now he has been dead for three days. The question I have right now is, if they had heard these things, and if they knew these things, that Jesus himself even said, I must die and then come back three days later, why are they walking away hopeless? Even that morning, they heard stories that the tomb was empty and that the angel said he is alive, and yet they turned their back on that hope and decide to walk away hopeless, sad, overwhelmed. Some of us come in to this room today overwhelmed, physically, emotionally. We can tell. Your eyes tell us a story of sadness and sorrow. You're exhausted. Maybe it's, maybe it's because someone close to you, like these guys, someone close to you passed away. And you've spent the last days weeping. Maybe some of you are struggling in relationships where a friendship or a marriage has gone to the edge and you're not sure if you can get it back. And you come in here broken and hopeless. Maybe it's a secret sin that nobody knows about that you can't stop. Now some of us come in here and we can't tell that you're hopeless. Because you have a smile on your face, right? Because that's what we're taught to do. We're taught to hide it. We're taught not to be authentic and genuine. Because if people knew, what would they say? Some of us are here today the smile on the outside, but brokenness on the inside, just hoping someone would come alongside of us. The same thing goes spiritually. It's not just an emotional or physical hopelessness. These men, these men could confess with their mouth what they knew of Jesus, but there's no way that they believe that he was the Savior if they are walking away on the third day when he is supposed to be alive. They are hopeless in their faith. And, and some of us know people that are hopeless when it comes to their spiritual life. They have determined, based on their own understanding, that they can prove God is, a, is foolishness and is not needed and anybody who believes in that is just silly. And then there's others of us that are really good at faking what we believe. When I was growing up, I grew up in a family that thankfully made church a priority. Every single Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we were at church. Even to the point of if I had a basketball tournament on the weekend... If I had a game Sunday morning, church first, basketball in the afternoon. Church was a priority. And I loved it because 
everybody thought that I was the good person, right? I knew all the answers. I was picked to be on the Bible trivia teams. And if anybody had a question in Sunday school, always pointing to Jeremy because he knew the answer. Yeah, I knew about Jesus. But it meant nothing to me. On the outside, people are like, oh yeah, he's a Christian. He does all the right things. He says all the right things. But I was faking These guys knew all the right things, but they didn't believe the most important thing. I believe if I were to have died in those moments of life, Matthew 7 would have been spoken to me from the mouth of God, where it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I don't know a more hopeless phrase than to hear from the mouth of God, I never knew you. And in that moment of life, that's what I would have heard. Because all I did was know about Jesus. I didn't know Jesus. And what I love about Jesus in this passage is that when he sees our hopelessness, like Chris said earlier, he comes alongside of us and he walks with us in the midst of our struggles. He comes alongside of us and asks us questions and he shows us the hope And what I love here in verse 25, going back into uh, Luke 24, it says, Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scripture the things concerning himself. We'll pause there, and I I want you to take a look. Jesus isn't being rude when he says, Oh, you foolish people. He has a heart of compassion and love and a desire that they would know that he is the hope of the world. He's like, Oh, why is it taking so long for you to know? Know that I am alive. Why is it taking so long? And he wants and he desires. And so he leads them through all of the scripture that says what, the, what had to happen to the Messiah. And what Messiah was going to have to go through. And then the Messiah coming back. And then it goes on in verse 28. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. Verse 29, it says, and they begged him. If you go back to the original Greek that it was written in, the word is to be compelled by force. They weren't saying, oh, please, you know, it'd be great if you would just come over. They were going to drag him, kicking and screaming, back to their house. 
They compelled him by force to stay. We get part of the picture here is that it was almost evening. Night was the most dangerous time to travel. There were no street lights or headlights. Wild animals and robbers were ready to steal, kill, and destroy whatever they found on the road. They wanted Jesus to be with them. Also, their hearts were burning inside, and they could tell this, this teacher, he ha- he's, he's saying great things. They were still not aware that it was Jesus, but they wanted to hear more, and they invited him in. Going on, verse 30, as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? As he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. No, I'm not sure the exact moment their eyes were open. Maybe it was when he blessed the bread. Like they had seen him do so many times before. Or maybe it was when he broke it. Or maybe, as Pastor Allen said, it was as he handed it out. And they looked past the bread and they saw the nail holes in his hands. Whatever it is, in that moment, their eyes were open and they experienced the hope of the world. All of a sudden, everything they had seen of Jesus and knew of Jesus took on a different picture. All that they saw when they were with him in his earthly ministry, the things that he taught when he fed the people, they understood that differently now. All of a sudden, the cross no longer was hopelessness, but it was victory. There was hope in the cross. And even those stories they heard that morning of an empty grave that they just shook off and didn't believe all of a sudden became crystal clear that Jesus was alive. I remember the fall of 1995. I went to a weekend called Tech, Teens Encounter Christ. Now looking back, I think that's a brilliant name because that's where I encountered Christ for the first time. That night I remember sitting around one of the circle tables like we have in the back. There's eight chairs around us, seven students, one adult. There's probably about 10, 11 of these in the room. And in front, there was a stage where the worship team had just finished singing. And a student my age walked up. She started talking in ways that I had never heard before. She started talking about having a relationship with Jesus, having experienced his grace and forgiveness, and how she was living according to his spirit. See, I had always heard before, Well, this is what the Bible has to say, and this is how it goes, and and this is what you should believe. But never a relationship with Jesus. And in that moment, something was burning within me. I closed my eyes, and I said, Jesus, I want you. That is what I want. I want a relationship with you. And I remember all of a sudden... Now all these things that I did because I thought I had to, I did because I wanted to. It was out of a reverence to God, out of a worshipful attitude to God that I got to live this way. All of a sudden, 
church was no longer a chore, but I got to go every Sunday and Wednesday to worship and praise the God who saved me. Six months later, I remember a connection with God's word as same weekend, Teens Encounter Christ, but this time I was working and praying for other students who were there. And I was in the prayer room, and I was reading through Romans 8. And I just remember God speaking to me through his holy word. His word has power for all of us. We get to praise God. We get to grow in our faith. We don't have to. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, see the first seven miles of the road to Emmaus? This, was, this is what they could do. They could confess with their mouth who Jesus was. But it was at their house where the second part comes into play. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. The first seven miles, they could confess. At their home, they believed. And let's see what happens after they experienced the hope of the world. Verse 33. And within the hour, some translations say immediately, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking bread. And I think to get a clear picture of what it's saying here, we need to go back up to verse 29. Verse 29, remember, says, but they begged him, but they forcibly, forcibly compelled him to stay because it was almost evening. And we're not sure how much time passed here, but they got to their house. They had a meal. They experienced Jesus And then it says, immediately, within the hour, they went back to Jerusalem. Remember, the most perilous time to be on the road. Yet, they ran seven miles back in the middle of the night, risking everything, even their very lives, to tell their friends that Jesus was alive, that there's no longer reason to be hopeless, but we have the hope of the world. They were willing to risk everything to tell those they knew about the hope of the world. I remember coming to school that Monday after that Teens Encounter Christ weekend, And I would put Bible verses up on my locker. Because I wanted people to know the hope of the world. And there were some people that would make fun of me. And some people would grab them off my locker and wad them up and throw them in the garbage. And I continued to put verses up. And I started to see people around me. We started to have more conversations about who God was. And God has continued 
to lead in my life and put me in situations where I have the opportunity to give hope because he is the hope of the world in a world that is hopeless. And so today, I'm wondering about us, church. How about you? When it comes to your faith, when it comes to what you know, are you spiritually hopeless? Have you been walking in these doors for 5, 10, 20, 40 years? Acting a certain way because you have to? Because that's the right thing to do? Can you confess with your mouth but not believe in your heart? Is Jesus coming alongside of you and saying, how long? How long until you believe? Some of us here have experienced Jesus today. We have a burning inside of us. Something that God is speaking to our hearts, maybe for the first time, or maybe it's new and fresh again. May we rejoice in that. And some of us are ready to run out these doors and say, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Do you believe it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus is alive. And we go out in that power and that hope. We no longer have to be afraid of anything else. Because we know that the hope of the world is here. And that's not going away. And we know people in our lives that are hopeless. And let us risk everything that we have to share with them. The hope of the world is alive. And that he is walking right beside them right now, whether they see it or not. I'd like to take a moment pause with some prayer and close up and may God speak to our hearts church if, if you have a wall up in your heart of pride that because you've been to church and you can repeat all the right answers I pray that God will break that wall down and that he will open your eyes to who he is, so that you can not only confess, but you can believe in your heart. Because I don't want you or me to experience the words of God that say, I never knew you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and Some of us come here emotionally and physically exhausted. God, there's stuff going on in our lives that is such a struggle. God, we come here and we don't know if we can go on. God, I thank you for walking alongside us. I pray that you will bring others to walk alongside of them, God. That you will open their eyes to see who you are. Lord, I think of those who are in our lives 
that have chosen to not believe in you, who have read all the the books and and listened to all the people they want to listen to about faith and, and they decided that they don't need that. And God, I pray that you will impress on them a sense of hopelessness so that they know that you are the only hope. It is not on their own power, their own ability. God, I pray for those that may be the toughest ones to connect with. The ones like me who thought, I thought I knew it all. I thought I had all the right answers and I said all the right things and I acted the right way. Yet it was meaningless, God. Because I had not believed in you. I had no relationship with you. And God, I pray for those walls and those hearts to fall down and to be authentic and humble and come before you and say, Jesus, you are what I want and what I need. And God, I pray for thus, uh, those of us that have experienced your hope that we will go out this week boldly proclaiming that you are alive. God, there are people in our life, whether friends or neighbors, co-workers, or even people we meet at the restaurant or at the grocery store that need your hope. May you use us this week. May you give us boldness this week to run out of this place with a desire and a passion to do whatever it takes to show your hope to a world that is so hopeless. May we do it with compassion and love as you did as you walked along the road with these two men going to Emmaus. We pray this all in your heavenly name. Amen. Good morning. My name is Gary, and it is definitely my privilege to uh, lead us into the prayers of the people. So please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this beautiful day that you've given to us. Lord, and we, um, we thank you so much that you were willing to give up your life um, to die on a cross, even when we were still sinners. Lord, but even more, uh, we pray. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, because three days later that you had the power to, uh, to be risen from the dead. Lord, that you've got the power um, over anything that's in our lives, um, even over, over death itself. Lord, there is nothing that can come at us in this world um, that can ever be overcome, uh, that, that you can't overcome. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, that um, as we live in this wonderful Easter season, um, that, that you give us your word. Um, and that you always lead us and guide us through your word. And, Lord, I especially praise you for um, this message that Jeremy brought us today. Lord, you know that this is my favorite, favorite story within the Bible. Lord, these two men walking on the road, that's me, and that's all of us here, that we're walking on the road of life, 
And there are days and there are times that we are just depressed, that we are hopeless. Lord, but you are always with us. You are walking right beside us. Lord, you are, you are describing the scriptures. You're explaining the scriptures to us. And in our walk in life, that there's a reason that we're going through those kinds of things, Lord. And we just thank you that you're with us. But, Lord, we ask that you would um, open our eyes, that you are there beside us. Open our eyes, Lord, so that our hearts can burn with excitement, that they can burn with passion, because you are there and you are living with us. Lord, I just thank you for that story, Lord, and I thank you that, that that is us, that you never leave us and you never forsake us, that you are always there beside us. Lord, I ask that, that you would take that burning and that passion as, your, as you open our eyes. Lord, that you would put um, a joy in our hearts, that you would put a song in our hearts. Lord, that um, when that you give us hope when we're helpless, Lord, that you would give us rest when we're weary. Lord, that you would give us love when we're brokenhearted. Lord, that song in our hearts, hope for the helpless, rest for the weary, and love for the brokenhearted. Lord, you love us so much, and Lord, I just ask that you would continue to burn that fire within our hearts as you open our eyes. Because you are risen. You are risen indeed. In Jesus' name, amen.